Hey folks, welcome to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Erin. We are the Ingolds. We are the founders of Metanoia Catholic, and we are here to talk coaching in the Catholic world. Yes, where we teach people how to become students of their interior life, and we also train and coach other Catholic coaches. So we're excited to have you with us. Let's get started. Hey guys. Hey, welcome back. Part two. Yeah, we're going to talk about fear, and we're also going to talk about the distinction between passions and virtues and vices. Um, because, and we're going to use fear as the example here. Yeah. I, and this is a continuation of our podcast that we did last week. We released it. It's called fearless goal setting mm-hmm. and I actually got like some responses of it on social media and some emails about that, which is, uh, a lot of just positive feedback on that. I think there's this, this association that people have with fear as it's always something that's vicious. We're going to get into that a little bit more today mm-hmm. about when fear is something that actually serves us. But actually, like, coming to understand that fear is going to be part of goal setting, setting out on a journey that's mm-hmm. filled with uncertainty or even just a little bit of uncertainty. Whenever there's uncertainty, there's something that's hardwired in our biology, I would say. And I don't know if that's true. That's just kind of me looking at what some of the evolutionary biologists have said, mm-hmm. that just when we, that our bodies are always trying to keep us in that homeostasis, that place where we it knows what the risks are. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to set out and do new things, there's new risks and therefore possibly new threats. And the body sees it as a threat. And self-preservation starts to kick in. And there's this natural resistance mm-hmm. to doing something new. It's always going to be there. And I think as soon as we just acknowledge that it's going to be there, we can we can kind of just allow it. Just yeah. allow that fear. So we can get into a little bit about allowing fear because here's the reality. Fear does not go away. We're going to be talking a lot about the virtue of fortitude, mm-hmm. which is really about not eradicating fear, but responding amidst the fear mm-hmm. in a way that's going to bear good fruits in our lives. Yes. And also how to dis- how to um, distinguish fear and questions even to ask around fear yeah. for, for you. If you're journaling and you find yourself a fearful person. Um, when fear is okay and when it's not. Always make distinctions. Yes. That's what St. Thomas Aquinas would say. Always make distinctions. So we're going to be doing that here today. So we're going to talk about the difference between fear. Guys, there is a vice of fear, and we will define that. And then there is a passion of fear. So let's break down what a passion is. A passion is another word for an emotion, okay? Feeling, emotion... It uses it in the catechism. It uses it uses these interchangeably. Yeah, like emotion and feelings weren't really like the common language until mid nineteenth century. Prior to that, we talked about our emotions as passions. So. Yes, and so did Saint Thomas Aquinas. So when we use the word passion, we're going to use it interchangeably with emotion and feeling. Okay, so Saint Thomas Aquinas talks about eleven main passions, and they're all they all spring from love. Actually, love is the primary passion. And yeah. love is just the things in which we are attracted to. Yeah, we have little little attachments. We perceive them as good. We yeah. feel drawn towards them. We actually have this great emotions wheel that Aaron put together with J.P. West and mm-hmm. and uh, our, our team, our, our marketing team. And that's sitting there on our emotions mm-hmm. workshop that we have in the Metanoia Catholic Academy. It's great to be able to grow especially as you're doing the journal work with us, to be able to grow your vocabulary of your emotions. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what this this uh, little disc does. Yeah. And most people ask, well, 
do I mean, don't we have a lot of complex emotions? Aren't you know there are more than eleven? Yes, they are, but mm-hmm. these are the foundational. And so other emotions that kind of come out of fear, for example, are is um what is other it? emotions that come out of fear is anxiety. Anxiety, yeah, there or you go. Overwhelm, panic, or terror. Yeah, panic, terror, frightened, yeah. So hesitant. That doesn't mean that we only believe in eleven passions, but they are the primaries. St. Thomas Aquinas defines fear as a passion, as an emotional response of a perception of a future evil which cannot be overcome. Yeah. So we talked about this last week. Yep. There's a perception. Means a thought. Okay. And we're not always right. Maybe it is a future evil. Maybe it isn't. And so this is why we want to engage reason. Mm-hmm into our emotional life. I think of Daniel Tiger. See what it is, you might feel better. Yes. See what it is, you might not be afraid. That's for all you parents out there and weirdos who watch <laughs> Daniel Tiger as an adult. Yeah. It's my part of my evening routine. Anyways, yeah. go on. Um, okay, so a little bit more about what the catechism says on the passions. And yes, there is an entire segment in our catechism that talks about our emotions. Um, and it says in Catechism 1767, in themselves, passions, also emotions and feelings, are neither good nor evil. What? Okay. Passions are neither good nor evil. Mm-hmm. Hold up. Wait a minute. Um, And then it goes on to say, they are morally qualified only to the extent that they are effectively engage reason and will. Got it. Okay. I love it. Morally, like they are morally neutral. Break that down. Yeah. So feeling fear is, is morally neutral. Yeah. The emotion itself, the emotion itself is a neutral, the sensation that we have in our body, it's neutral, right? So where do we get to the point where we start to make some determinations as to whether or not there's... Because at some point, there is a there is a morality that yes. does get assigned to our yes. passions. Well, it goes on to say in the Catechism 1768, passions... Sorry. Yeah, passions are morally good when they contribute to good action. Okay? So there's two things that need to happen for your passion or your emotion to be to have a moral qualification. You need to engage reason and will, meaning, what is this? You start critically thinking through it. Mm -hmm. And then you choose to do a good action or choose to not, or like whatever you choose to do from that passion. Yeah, and, and again, remember, our passions will incline us towards a certain action, okay? And so sometimes it's not even like what's the actual action that you do from that passion, but like what's the inclination that you feel? Because we can disrupt the model here as well and say like, I feel inclined to scream at this person because I'm feeling angry, but I'm not going to do that, okay? So not screaming at them is not coming from the passion of of, of anger. There's, there's a reasonable response of self-restraint that's coming in at that point. Mm-hmm. But you want to take a look at where do you feel inclined to do? Right. Even if you're not doing it, where do you feel inclined to do? And then you can start to have a little bit of a of a moral assessment on that. Now, uh, that's and really what what we're doing here is we're saying that, that emotions 
they've got a trajectory, but they can actually be perfected, as the Catechism says, 1774. Yes. They can be perfected by the virtues or perverted by the vices. Yes. And so if we feel inclined to like a uh, an ungodly self-reliance where we constantly have to have this control of our over all of our circumstances in our mm-hmm. lives and all of a sudden we encounter something that's outside of control. If we feel anger or we feel fear, we might find ourselves inclined to acting out of like, trying to grab yeah. that control or yell at somebody mm-hmm. or or hit somebody or mm-hmm. whatever we think is going to give us that control back. Okay, That's stemming from, that's where that fear is being informed by the vice or formed here by that vice of ungodly self-reliance. Mm-hmm. But there's also virtues that can inform fear. Yeah. There's virtues of perseverance. There's virtues of magnificence, magnanimity. We're going to get into all of these things because, again, folks, when you set goals, we're talking about goals here in the context, you will encounter fear, all right? Because fear just happens to accompany uncertainty quite a bit. And when we're setting good goals that are taking us to a new place, new Mm -hmm. means change, means you're getting someplace that you haven't been before. There's uncertainty that's always going to be part of that journey. And therefore, fear, mm-hmm. in some cases, is going to be along for the ride. And so what are the virtues that we want to well, be cultivating to help inform that fear? No, you're jumping ahead. We're going to talk about vices first. Oh, sorry. I thought you were asking me what the virtues are. No, okay. no. Settle just down. Saying. Be not afraid. I'm not <laughs> skipping our notes. <laughs> so I always brief Matt beforehand, and then he, he does. He jumps ahead. Okay, can you guys tell? I'm very I'm frustrated. It's I'm not, the Holy I'm Spirit. I'm not afraid. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right, so when fear serves us, when let, let's give you some examples of when fear serves us. Mm-hmm. How about like not walking out into a busy street because you're afraid of losing your life? <laughs> yeah. I would say that's probably a good, prudent caution. Yeah, we call those people crazy that just kind of go out into it. Like there's obviously, some, there's the extreme end of just like that boldness, that excessive boldness. Where yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like you're 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 testing death, right? Yes. Like those adrenaline junkies that are out there. Yep. So yeah, it serves in terms of a, of a certainly a preservation of our life. Yeah. Right. I, I and I think like even just like stopping and asking, what is the evil that I foresee happening, and is that evil actually really evil? Is it reasonable, and is it really coming at me? So another example of when fear serves us is wanting to go to confession and confess our sins because we're afraid of losing our souls. It's another yeah. one that's very helpful. Yeah, when when the scripture says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, that's what it's talking about. Yes. There's one thing we ought to be afraid of that really is serving us, and that one thing is spending an eternity away from God. Yes. All right? Damnation. Like that's the one thing where God says, Don't be afraid, or Jesus says, Don't yep. be afraid of the things that can corrupt the body and destroy the body. Rather be afraid of those things that can destroy the soul, mm-hmm. right? Because that what will is what will eternally separate us from God. Yeah, we don't so want that. This is another one that I can really relate to as well is doing research before teaching others about the faith because I'm afraid that I might lead others astray. I'm okay with keeping that fear. Yeah. We actually have a lot of our coaches that come through a purgative way. That is the fear that they have where it's just like, mm-hmm. I I don't want a great millstone tied around my neck and be cast into the sea. Like That's what Christ says for those people like that lead yeah. the little ones astray yeah. better that a great millstone be tied around them. that's a big he can like that's a huge rock yeah. tied around your neck you're not going to live that one out mm-hmm. so like what do, like what does that fear lead to a lot of the time i know for us we have that fear mm-hmm. and i'm kind of like i'm going to allow that fear i'm going cuz cuz the fruits i've seen of that fear have been us diving deeper into the scriptures diving deeper into the summa 
and into a lot of good spiritual reading, seeking good counsel from people, talking to our bishop regularly, um, talking to good counsel, spiritual directors, uh, like inviting other people even to start doing research uh, on our behalf because we know that there's this great knowledge that's out there mm-hmm. that you know when we're seeking this knowledge and we're seeking Jesus and and we're doing this in the trust that he's we're like hey Lord we're doing this we need you to really be the one that informs us because we yes. do not want to lead these people astray that that fear even turns into a prayer of petition mm-hmm. that we have where it's just like I am so capable of speaking heresy yeah so capable lord open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise yes it's the only way it's going to happen yeah mm-hmm. and and guys there are times where fear doesn't serve us and i know we all know this mm-hmm. too like most of us can come up with a billion ways that fear doesn't serve us but a couple that come up to like just come to mind automatically for us is when fear keeps you stuck when you do go run and hide and there's your life is ahead of you you know when you've been called to do a great work and become who you are so you can set the world on fire, like St. Catherine of Siena says, mm-hmm. and you go and hide in the cave, right? When you're like, Ugh, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't. Eh. And so we're, we'll talk more about some of the vices around fear that yeah. actually cause you to go and hide. And I do, and I do want to caveat here that like, that is a reasonable thing to do when we're encountering something that is going to demand great things of us. Mm-hmm. And I say it's reasonable for this. The things that God asks of us, the mission that he gives us, is beyond our human capabilities. Keyword are human capabilities to actually fulfill. It's beyond. All right? Mm-hmm. So when we look at those things and we look at our own current circumstances, our own human capabilities... We're going to fear, feel some fear. Yeah. But fear not, okay? Because this is where Christ's redemption shows up. This is where God's grace mm-hmm. shows up. Mm-hmm. I, said, I, I will, in, in your weakness, mm-hmm. I boast in my weakness, as St. Paul says, Aaron, you say this all the time. Why? Because that is where he knows he's relying on God's grace. Yeah, and it's God's power. grace that elevates our potential to actually start to Mm-hmm. Like grow these supernatural abilities by God's grace alone to be able to answer the supernatural call that so, He gives to us. So let me make a distinction here then. Do it because it's more like when you indulge in fear, that's when it's not helpful. Like when you're indulging in worry and like you're not moving out of it. Mm-hmm. So that recognition of fear doesn't mean you need you have to go run and hide. You just recognize it and you go, oh, I get it because God is calling me to do great, great things and I need to lean on him way more than I have mm-hmm. in the past. Yes. And when somebody is indulging in that fear, typically mm-hmm. uh, what I see, what we see in coaching is they start really focusing on their current circumstances. I'm not smart enough. Or the past. I don't have enough money. I, yeah. yeah. I haven't done this in the past. My family of origin. They look at all these things. They look at everything but God's grace and the reality of God being the one that placed the desire in their heart. Mm-hmm. They completely ignore that. And there's a comfort in that, folks. Like, Because when we sit there, we don't have to move. But there's a great discomfort in that, too, because that call does not go away. Yes. It persists. Okay. So we're going to get into the virtues and vices. But first, we're going to break down the vices that pervert fear. Matt, can you read the definition of of a virtue from the catechism. I love how Erin, like, read the definition. She points right at it. Don't screw this up. Okay. You have one job. You got one job to do. 
A virtue is an habitual and firm disposition to do the good. It allows the person not only to perform good acts, but to give the best of himself. The virtuous person tends toward the good with all his sensory and spiritual powers. He pursues the good and chooses it in concrete actions. Yes. So that's what virtue is. And then it goes on to say that... um, The goal of a virtuous life is to become like God. Mm-hmm. All right, that's St. Gregory of Nyssa quotes him there. Yeah, and then it says, their firm attitudes, stable dispositions, and habitual perfections of the intellect and will that govern our actions, order our passions, there it is, and guide our conduct according to reason and faith. Okay. And that was 1768. I guys, yeah, I bet you guys didn't think you were going to get a catechism class Sorry. here, but... 1803, that, excuse me. So, virtues are habits, of the soul. They are things that perfect our thoughts and our emotions and our actions. Mm-hmm. And they actually make doing good easier too. That's mm-hmm. interesting because that follows, they say that in there too. But um, so that's what a, a, a virtue is. Do we need to distinguish acquired and infused? Mm, I think we talked about that. In yeah, all we know, all you need to know, folks, there's like there are acquired virtues that doesn't necessarily take. Like, it's, God's not infusing the grace. Like, people, every person can can grow in an acquired virtue, yes. right? Atheists, people that, like... Well, grow, Aristotle they, talked they, about yeah, Right. Yeah. That's, they can, the pagans, they can grow yeah. in acquired virtue. Infused virtue is where it's elevating uh, the humanity. object. It's elevating our, our humanity. It's elevating our, the object of our virtues. The reason why we're, we're growing in virtue so it could be for an attachment of God alone, mm-hmm. right? Acquired virtue is kind of material good in this world, serves that material good. Infuse virtues for God alone, all right? Breaks our attachments to the material, temporal good, and gives us the grace to do all things and grow in all these disciplines for God alone. Mm. Amen. Virtues kind of like supercharge our things. Like, I'm, I know there's an analogy here with like Mario, Super Mario Brother. When he gets the star. Yeah, maybe that's it. That's what we're So, um, and we, like we said, we can we can start to acquire these. I don't know why you would leave out infused virtues because those are the things that really elevate it. But like, there are people out there who are like, no thanks God. And I'm like, all right. AKA secular life coaching. I'm like, more for us. Totally fine with that. Okay. So, vices do the opposite. Vices per- pervert our our thoughts mm-hmm. and our they actually like weaken our will mm-hmm. incline us towards evil yes so that's that's how you know the difference between the two all right so here's what we have another thing about vice too and i think this is really interesting vice always lives in deficit and excess okay it's almost too much or not enough mm-hmm. virtue is right in the middle it's mm-hmm. like that perfect I think this, that's Aristotle's definition of it. I don't know, but you're, you're walking a line. Yeah, it's kind of like walking along a switchback on a mountain. Yes. Or not a switchback, but just a, the, the crest, like mm-hmm. the dragon, dragon back of a mountain. And uh, yeah, on one side is vice, on the other side is vice, but right there in the middle of the path is virtue. All right, so here we are. The vices that pervert fear. And again, we're talking about these things, again, in the context of setting goals and where these vices show up. Because again, the goal of the goal is not the goal. The goal of the goal is for you to become who you are, (laughs) right? 
And that means perfected by virtue. And so as you pursue these goals, fear not, you will encounter your vice. Mm -hmm. If they're doing their job, you will encounter your vice. But fear not, Jesus is so much bigger than your vice. So the whole reason why we talked about the passion and what they are is because there is a distinction between the passion and the vice. There is a vice of fear. Tell me about this. Okay. The vice of fear is in which one has an unmoderated passion arising from the perception of a future evil. So it doesn't engage reason. There's an unmoderated, there's a, there's a, like a high level of passion that mm-hmm. comes from a perception of a future evil. Mm-hmm. I think of the movie Austin Powers mm-hmm. where there's the... <laughs> There's, where he's on like that big steamroller, right? Yeah. And he's going towards this guy and it's going so slow and the guy's going, no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. No! And he's just like, move out of the way! And it's just like, <laughs> no! He's like filled with fear, but like not a reasonable, moderated kind of fear because all he had to do is like... Move. Move the slowest possible and the like least yeah. possible distance out of the way. Yeah, so really basically... What fear is, the vice of fear is an excess amount. It's an unmoderated amount of passion mm-hmm. um, that's facing something that, that really shouldn't be creating that much. So if that's a vice where you have an excess amount of fear, mm-hmm. is there one where you have yes. like an insufficient amount of fear yes. based on a reason? So the next vice that actually perverts fear is fearlessness. And a lot of people will be like, well, isn't that like bravery or fortitude? Isn't that courage? And well, the definition of fearlessness is a lack of moderated fear. Moderated meaning caution, like a prudent amount of caution. There's a lack of it. So mm-hmm. that's, that is the deficit. Yeah. Every, that's that version of that. I think a lot of us had the friend that was, you know, had the Napoleon complex that mm-hmm. would always just go out to the bar and want to pick fights with the biggest dude in the bar. Like, that's fearlessness, right? And then just get his face pounded in. As, as a vice, <laughs> fearlessness. <laughs> that is, yeah. fe- like, that is not virtuous, right? That's not fortitude. That yes. is, that and, is fearlessness. And I want to speak to that because fortitude, actually, the definition of fortitude is the willingness to engage the arduous. It's not pretending that fear doesn't exist. Right. And so... Somebody who pretends that fear doesn't exist actually is, it's a vice. It's the vice of fearlessness. Yeah. It's, and it's, you're not engaging reason because guys, fear does exist. <laughs> and fear does serve yes. a good purpose in some cases. So like I'd say in, that, in those cases, I think a lot of the time people are just, that's stemming from there's this thought perhaps that there's no, there's no good place for fear or I need to prove mm-hmm. that I'm not afraid or something like that. And it's just like, no, like just acknowledge the fact, know why you're afraid, first of all. Mm-hmm. That's that's the first thing. And then make the decision on whether or not it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like we said earlier, I'm totally okay mm-hmm. with having the fear of leading somebody astray. Yes. This next one, I I think this one's actually really kind of cool. Not cool. Well, not like I want this vice, but like I love that this distinction is made. It's called pusillanimity. Pusillanimity. It means smallness of soul. And people go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Isn't that a virtue? To have smallness of soul? To, to know your smallness before God? Here's the distinction. Not humility. It says, the habit of not striving for excellence. 
Did you guys know that that's a vice? Habit for not striving for excellence. Mm -hmm. Smallness of soul. It is not humility. It's actually hiding. Yeah. I think that this vice shows up again when we get tunnel vision on our current circumstances, when we have like these goals, but then we say, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough fill in the blank. And we get so hyper-focused. And again, we're leaving behind God. We're taking God out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And when you remove God from the equation, you're going to end up in a place of vice. Like plain and simple. Mm -hmm. We're going to settle. We're going to settle for what we've got and what we've gotten in the past. And then we're going to be all uncomfortable and pissed off about it. And Yeah. Yeah. Be mad about that too. And be vicious in, the, in the, those activities yeah. as well. Yeah. So um, the one that you were talking about before was presumption, actually. Ah, tell the me one about that. that. You, it's thinking one can attain some end, which is beyond their ability without aid. Without aid usually from God, basically. Like ungodly self-reliance. But it's presumption. Well, it's also a, like not everybody, I think, not everybody's meant to be an astronaut. Okay? Mm -hmm. Some of us have been born with with great gifts of intelligence. And guess what? If you're going to be an astronaut, you're going to have great intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a presumption perhaps uh, that you are more capable of achieving that goal. I mean, gosh, I think of William Hung mm -hmm. on American Idol, right? Like oh, yeah. there was this presumption that he could sing and he could be a great singer. He entertained. He entertained, <laughs> yes. But no, like, but some of you listening are probably like, who is William Hung? Yeah. What is like? Again, it's it's not it was not his gift, right? Yes. But there was a presumption that was there, and he went in front of the the world, mm -hmm. and he sang, right? Yeah, I would and it say wasn't he, really he probably the, had presumption and fearlessness. He didn't get a <laughs> yeah, he didn't get a record for out of because his voice was amazing. Yeah, right? yeah. Another one that you you mentioned in our last podcast was effeminacy. Effeminacy, okay. I said it wrong. Yes, it's um, an unwillingness to put aside pleasure in order to engage the arduous. And we do see this in goal setting a lot too. When we're reaching that place of fear and it's like, ah, but I would so much rather just remain comfortable. And, you know, Pope Benedict said, we're not made for comfort, we're made for greatness. Yep. And guess what? The longer you sit in comfort, the more uncomfortable it gets because that nagging desire doesn't mm -hmm. go away. And you start to enter into a place rather of discomfort and depression a lot of mm -hmm. the time because we're not living the life we know deep in our heart of hearts that we are meant to live. And rightfully so. Like that kind of depression is an ordered response to not living the life that you were meant to live. Mm. And the interesting thing about all these vices is they, they do totally leave God out of the picture. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, it's a vice. But um, this other one, too, I think is interesting. Per Pertinacity. I can't say it. Let me see. Pertinacity. Let's go with that. Yeah, all right. It means excessive clinging to one's assertions or intellectual convictions. I see this come up a lot when I'm coaching somebody and they are falling into self-protection mode. And they cling to whatever they feel like is protecting them. And it's usually a false, like it's something that's not true. It's a belief that's also creating a ton of tension and unnecessary pain in their lives. And they cling to it. 
And they're like, no, 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 no. And it's always from a place of self-protection and fear. Mm-hmm. We spoke a couple of weeks ago at one of the podcasts on cognitive distortions. I think that episode's called The Lies We Wish Were True. Mm-hmm. One of those cognitive distortions is always having to be right, right? It's yes. coming from that vice of pertinacity in that yes. case. Yep. We're ready to go into virtues or we still got any more vices here? Well, there's more vices, but we're going to go into virtues because it yes. was a little depressing talking about all those vices. And this list that we're, we are referring to is Father Chad Ripperger's list of 64, I think it's virtues, and then their counter, their, their vices too. Yeah. Again, we're bringing this up, okay, and we're helping you improve your vocabulary of the vices and virtues here. So that when you identify certain behaviors that fall under a certain vice, you can name it. Mm -hmm. And then in the name of Jesus, you can renounce it. You can repent of it. You can start to just be aware of it. It's like, ah, there's that pertinacity again. Ah, there's that fearlessness again. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to learn the vices that we have, those are paired up with a counter virtue. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we can start to strive towards those virtues. And that's how we start to combat those vices. Mm -hmm. The first one is fortitude, and you know we've already talked about that, but that's a cardinal virtue. There's four cardinal virtues. Fortitude is one of them, and the definition of fortitude is the willingness to engage the arduous. So how does this directly combat fear? Well, we recognize that something is arduous. We recognize that there is a possible future evil coming at us, and so there's a fortitude. There's kind of like a stance. There's a firmness and being like, I'm willing to engage this thing that could be hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love the thought I can do hard things. I know it sounds so simple and elementary, but it actually does create a little bit of fortitude in me when I go, you know what? It is hard and I can do hard things. Right. And there's the, that, again, that natural fortitude, that, that acquired virtue of fortitude, but then there's that infused virtue of fortitude. Mm-hmm. This is the virtue that we see showing up in the martyrs. Because mm. again, we talked about in the last episode, is very ordered to fear death, right? On a very human level. But we know by divine revelation, we know from our Christian faith that this life is not the end, right? Mm-hmm. And so it takes an infused virtue of fortitude to be able to endure the evil of mm-hmm. a death, right? Yes. In, for the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's something we can't generate ourselves. It's only by the grace of God. I think of this movie, Beyond the Gates. It was a very, it was an amazing movie. came out, I think, in the early 2000s. We used to use it actually in Quantico at the basic school to talk about ethics. And it was a story uh, of... Uh, this little uh, camp that was uh, became a refuge for the Tutsis in the Rwandan massacre in 1994. And uh, so they brought uh, hundreds of people, it might have been thousands of people into this little camp. And there comes a point where at the end of the movie, spoiler alert here, all of the UN guards that were guarding this camp and holding all of these uh, murderers at bay, they had to leave. They were ordered away. And there's this moment where the priest uh, that was there uh, has this look on his face, and it's right after he right after he uh, gave them holy communion. There was this m- moment where, like, they knew everybody's leaving. He's like, "There's one thing that we can do," and I almost get like choked up thinking about it. It's like these people these people can still receive holy communion, mm. and it was after that holy communion where all of the people, all of the the UN people and the Westerners were getting on these trucks to leave. And he's just standing there amongst the crowd and he's got this 
he's choked up. He's got this smile on his face. And, um, and there's this peace, there's this serenity of just knowing that his, his place is to stay there, mm. is to stay there, knowing that it would demand his life. And he's just, he's, it's this peace that surpasses all understanding that, will, that God is guiding his heart and mind. And it's just so beautiful. That is an infused gift of fortitude, but it doesn't come out of nowhere, folks. Like these infused gifts... They come from us doing the work on our uh, to acquire the gift, the, the virtues of fortitude, so that we might receive the gift mm. of fortitude. It's a gift because it's given. It, it's not something that we can acquire ourselves. It's only given. So the infused virtues are also gifts of the Holy Spirit as well, coming only by God's grace. So another virtue is um, caution. That's actually under prudence. That's a sub-virtue under prudence. But I want to talk about this real quick because when we don't engage reason and actually willingly engage reason, we fall into that fearlessness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that, That vice of fearlessness. So caution, the definition of caution is application of knowledge of the past to an action in order to avoid impediments of evil. So it's saying, like, okay, what has, it's just using your reason and Mm -hmm. saying like, this is probably not a good idea to be jumping off of a cliff because last time I broke my leg, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Love that example. Yes. (laughs) That's a good one. You'd see that one off the top of our heads here. But like, yeah, it's looking back on your past circumstances and be like, okay, I did A last time and I got a terrible response from it or like, so I'm not going to do it again. Prudent caution. Right. Yes. And it's different from fear, okay? Mm-hmm. There's caution and then fear because of the engagement of reason. Yeah, I think a lot of times people look at their goals and that, that in the past didn't turn out really well. And then they say, well, this is the virtue of caution showing up. I'm not going to pursue that goal anymore. And it's just like, no, nah, like, let's really break this down and see what was the problem. Where did it go wrong, yeah. right? There might just be one thing that just yep. needs to be tweaked, before we throw the baby out with the bathwater. The three questions I love to ask myself to kind of bring in caution and reason in those situations. So like I can totally identify with that. And they are what worked, what didn't work, and what would I do differently? Yep. That is being critically thinking through your past. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I can't say this one. Yes. Magnanimity. That's because it's spelled wrong. Yes. Magnan- an extra Emmy in there. Magnanimity. Magnanimity. Yes. It's a virtue by which one seeks excellence in all things, but especially great things. Like, who knew that was a virtue? And this is the virtue that actually counters um, the pusillanimity. pusillanimity, yeah, which is actually not trying to achieve great things. Yeah, I think of Maximilian Colby. Right, mm-hmm. he was given the name Maximilian because he, he Maximus. It was he. He wanted. He had this greatness of soul. Mm-hmm. And you think about like what he did. He had this this publication that was like the number two publication in all of Poland. And we know that he was a martyr, right? He gave yes. his life ultimately. He had a great greatness of soul, Maximilian Kolbe. Yeah. That is such a cool virtue. I know. Like I, I need to pray for that more. I don't even know. How would you even grow, acquire in that virtue? Well, I find myself... I find myself doing that when I do my exercise three in the journal. Oftentimes in that virtue line, I am praying for the gift of magnanimity because the 
the goal that I have in there is demanding something. It's demanding greatness of me, mm. right? And if there's a shyness, if there's a pusillanimity that's showing up in that place, then mm. it's me like, like, all right, Lord, this is where I'm at. I, I, I am going to work towards this. I'm going to strive towards this. I'm going to make acts of magnanimity, right? Mm-hmm. And step out in faith. But it's on you to give me the gifts. And guess what, guys? He does. Yes. He gives the gifts. He's a father that gives good gifts. Yeah, I, I think it's the word seek. You seek excellence. Mm-hmm. And not for your own glory, but for God's glory. And I think that's always the distinction here. Um, magnificence. Did you guys know that was a virtue? Magnificence? Okay, listen to this. It's the virtue by which one uses their wealth to do great things. Mm-hmm. I see people lose their minds around wealth. Mm-hmm. Like so much fear. Go crazy. So much fear. I've been there. We've all been there, right? And I don't know, even know if I'm completely out of the woods with that one. Well, yeah. But. Think of this one as uh, when you say to do great things. Like oftentimes doing great things means we have to make a financial investment. And the person that's lack, lacking in magnificence, usually if there's a counter vice of stinginess that's mm-hmm. there, is when they're unwilling to contribute what is necessary to bring about the great thing. And so, you know, some um, the magnificence could show up where, like, say you're a donor and it's just like, okay, I've already given $10,000 here. And they're like... Hey, can you give $2,000 more? That's going to allow us to get, do this great thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's a virtue of magnificence when you say, okay, yeah, like I'm willing to double down. I thought it was only going to cost 10000 Let's stretch here. It's going to stretch my, my pocketbook a little bit, but let's let's do it, right? For the, all for the glory of God. Example of magnificence. Or even this, something that, that we've had to like mm-hmm. draw upon this, this virtue of magnificence where it's like, okay, with Mennonite Catholic, we know... Like there was, there's been a couple of months where we just said, hey, we're, we know we're going to be unprofitable for these months. Yeah. But we know that we're making an investment here and it's a prudent investment and we felt a lot of peace with it, but, mm-hmm. but it was painful watching that bank account just kind of go down and down yeah. and down and down and down. And it's just like, all right, Lord, like we're pouring into this. This is your work. This is your work. I'm just a steward of it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all your money anyway. So. So it's so interesting that you just brought up stinginess because that's actually one of the vices on this list. And I want to read the definition of that. An unwillingness to use one's wealth to do great things. Yeah. It's it's an attachment, you know? Guys, mm-hmm. we talked about how fear, it shows us our attachments. Mm-hmm. And why are you unwilling to share your wealth? If you've been given that, why are you unwilling to share it to do great things? Yes. Um, patience. The definition of patience is the ability to suffer evils well or the equanimity in the face of evils. (laughs) All right. So the ability to suffer evils well in the face of evils, right? In the face. That's kind of, or yeah, Yeah, that's like really redundant. Yeah. Well, it's when we say the evils, it's like, okay, some of it is like when we're setting goals here, folks, again, we're going to identify our vices. And so we're going to have to suffer the acknowledgement that we have these vices. We'd much rather keep them in the shadows. Yeah. But guess what? We're suffering from those vices, whether in the dark or they're in the light. One place they can be dealt with, one place they lead to eternal damnation. So like, let's bring them into the light. Yeah. And be patient with ourselves. We tell that to people all the time. So often we get people on our coaching calls that are just like, they have this expectation of being perfect right now. And it's like, no, endure even the own evil of your sin and your vice. Be patient with yourself a little bit. 
mm-hmm. and just surrender to God. It's 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 His. You can't fix it. He's the one who's going to fix it, and His timing is perfect. Yes. Perseverance is another one. Mm-hmm. The virtue by which one persists in the arduous good until the end is achieved. I pray for this one all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've seen growth in this area in my own life for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like I, I have a real hard time with, um, I wouldn't even say it's impatience. It's the opposite of longanimity, longanimity, which is our next one. But it's kind of awaiting the good, you know, like perseverance is, is like we're waiting for the good, but we're also working towards it. And mm-hmm. it's like you're really in it. You're suffering the arduous while you're awaiting it. I think that's a great definition. Yeah, a great explanation. Well, thank you. Good job. All right, the next one. I can't pronounce that either, so you can go ahead and do that. Longanimity. Yes. It's a longness of soul and the ability to await the good. I think a lot of people get that confused with patience, um, but it's actually the ability to await the good. Yeah, they kind of go together. I'm not sure. We talked about this. I'm not fully... I can't fully understand why right now, why Thomas makes the, St. Thomas makes the distinction here. Why does he make any distinctions? He, he makes a lot of distinctions all the time, which we actually can understand why. I appreciate that about him. But yes, that is, um, I don't really know the difference there. So I'm the smartest St. Thomas, so if I can't understand it, he must be wrong. Yes, and exactly. Wrong. Wrong. And then the last one is mortification. Ugh. Yeah. Which is the willingness to suffer. Straight up. But here's what I want to say. It's not for suffering's sake. Yes. The willingness to suffer for the good. Amen. We have this as part of our unique call to sanctity workshop that we offer. That's actually something that's a part of our, right now we're in goal setting month. Mm-hmm. It's the month of August. We're focusing on the Mennonite Catholic Academy on goal setting. And we're having people go through our unique call to sanctity uh, workshop and worksheet Part of that is identifying those things that you are passionate about. And by definition, when we're passionate about something, it means we're willing to suffer for it. Mm, it comes from the cross, right? The actual word passion comes from the passion of Christ. Mm-hmm. To suffer under a cross for something that, you're, that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and guys, why do we want to grow in virtue? Like really, truly, why do you want to grow in virtue? I, I want to be. I want to become who I am. Like that's where that's where I want. I, I want to be. I want to become who I am. I, I'm looking at the quote right now. We've got it. We got it right in our office here. John Paul II says, "Become who you are." Mm. It's not. It's 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 like it, and it's also a remember who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of this is not so much a, but it's a, a becoming and a returning. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's. There's like a veil being lifted. Yeah. It's a revelation. Of, of, of who you are so that you can actually do what you've been put here to do. Yeah. No, I was just, but now I was, I was before I got on here, I was listening, we were in the car with Avila and I was listening to, we we're listening to Moana, the soundtrack there. Mm-hmm. And there was this part where it's, the song is called I am Moana. And I actually found myself getting choked up again, listening, listening to flipping Moana in the car. <laughs> and Avila's is like, well, are you okay, daddy? Aww. But like, there's this part where, where, She's, you know, she's kind of had a, a, a downfall. The demigod she was with leaves her and she's just there and she's met by her grandmother that's really been the guide, right? And she 
she says to her, you've come so far, do you know who you are? Mm. Like, do you still know who you She asked her this question. And it's at that part where she starts to answer the question of who she is. And it was very interesting when you look at the lyrics, how she answers the question. First, she answers it by, based on what she loves. Mm. She said, I love my island and I love the sea. And then she says where she's come from in terms of her father, who her father is. My father is the king. And and the people that she represents. And the and then she goes deeper into her, her legacy into I stem from voyagers. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole identity that's springing forth to the point where the big climb so she goes, I am Moana. Mm-hmm. Like she declares the name, which folks, if you know me, this is my absolute favorite part of movies is when people yell out their name and they know their name and they can embrace their name. This is this is the metanoia moment that we we're all created for us to know our name and to live in that name and discover that name. Oh man, like incredible things happen. And at that point, as soon as she says her name, she dips the oar in the in the oar in the water. She was on her way home to just go back to a life of mediocrity and she spins it around in fortitude. to go in fortitude. And she goes to face this 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 evil, this yeah. evil in front of her. Mm-hmm. I I want to grow in this virtue. I want to grow in all of these virtues. Because I want freedom. Beautiful. Like, and this is actually in the catechism. It says, a virtuous man is he who freely practices the good. The thing in which we were created to do. And so, and I also like ease. (laughs) And that's another part of this definition too. It says that they make, the virtues make possible ease self-mastery and joy in leading a morally good life yes we want these virtues i maybe i'm just speaking for myself but i do i want to grow in these virtues and i don't want to be living in these vices of fear that keep us stuck yeah i want to wanna i want to want to grow in these virtues like that's kind of it like camp i want to (laughs) want to but like i I think of saint augustine here because some of you might be looking at this and be like yeah, I don't really, I don't really want temperance. I don't really want these. Like, Ooh, I, I'm kind of yeah. like, you know, Aaron's kind of giving her hang us on temperance in the past. But I think it's Saint Augustine, right? Like, Lord, what is he? Lord, make me pure, but just not now. Lord, yeah, make me yeah. chase, but, but just not, not yet. but just not yet. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's kind of like that's that's an honest prayer. It so is. always honesty with mm-hmm. this. Where sometimes our prayer is just like, Lord, I wanna wanna. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And we're going to leave you with a little bit of an application, a journal application. But if you find yourself in fear a lot, like the vice of fear, unmoderated mm-hmm. fear, find out what you're afraid of. Name it. Name it and say, what is the thing that I'm so afraid of here? And and reasonably think through it. Yes. Fear can never stand up to a question. It cannot coexist with curiosity. Mm-hmm. Because when we fear, there's something in the dark. But when we come to know what it is that we fear, mm-hmm. it's, again, it's like flipping on a light switch. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Daniel Tiger again. Don't worry, I won't sing. <laughs> but that's what curiosity does. Curiosity is an antidote for fear. So get curious. And, and don't judge yourself in the and process. And also, gratitude is an antidote for fear, mm-hmm. too. Because we always think there's arduous goods or evils in front of us, but... Gratitude kind of 
it strengthens us mm-hmm. in the moment and it makes us grateful. It makes us remember yes. those places where we have overcome fear, where God has delivered and we're not alone. and mm-hmm. We are loved. We are so loved, folks. Yes. So we leave you with some of those things and yeah, come join us in the academy if yeah. you're not there. Free offer, okay? You can get the free test drive, free seven-day test drive. allows you to go in there and take a look at our model workshop. That's our most uh, popular workshop that we've got. So you can take a look at that, get an idea for what we're doing on a monthly basis. We've also got some replays on a couple of past group coaching calls. So you get an idea what that looks like. We wanted to give you a test, a taste through this test drive (laughs) of what it's like being in the academy. And folks, But the taste that you won't get is the amazing community that's there. You'll be able to see some of the comments that pour through, some of those metanoia moments that people are having, those changes of heart. Uh, That's what we're all seeking here. Um, It's it's just been so fun to be a part of it. So do the test drive, seven days free, cancel anytime the first seven days, you don't pay a dime. But I think you want to stick around at least for that first month to really experience the fullness of what it's like being in this growth-minded Catholic community. Yeah. God bless you guys. Bye. Bye. Hey folks, we hope you enjoy listening to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. We want to invite you to take up our journal, the Metanoia Daily 7, 7 Exercises to Renewing Your Mind. If you want to experience daily transformation, go to metanoiacatholic.com and get the journal. Treat yourself. Treat yourself.